Hello again, and welcome to another episode of State of Reality, your guide to buying and selling real estate in the real world. I'm your host, DJ Stavropoulos, licensed realtor in Atlanta, Georgia. In this episode, I'll talk about the financing contingency, which is one of the most common contingencies made with an offer. It's basically a condition that states, in plain English, this transaction is contingent on the buyer getting a loan to buy the property. If the buyer cannot get a loan, they can terminate and get their earnest money back. A lot of sales today come with a financing contingency because anyone who needs a loan to buy a home will include this. The exception is all cash offers. If the buyer is paying cash, there is no loan. So there's no need to back out of the deal if their loan isn't approved because they're not getting one. Let me say a bit more about what an all cash offer really means because it doesn't necessarily mean the buyer is paying cash and not getting a loan. If you are making an all cash offer, it really means that you don't have a financing contingency, which means you cannot terminate if your loan isn't approved. It doesn't mean you cannot apply for a loan, you can. But if the loan isn't approved, you can't terminate the contract and get your earnest money back. You'll have to pay cash, which is why they call these all-cash offers. So in reality, an all-cash offer really means that the transaction is not contingent on the buyer getting a loan. They can get a loan or pay cash. They just can't use loan denial as a reason to back out. See the difference? A finance contingency is just the opposite. The buyer is definitely getting a loan, and they can definitely back out if the loan is not approved. In sum, if you have to get a loan to buy the property, you definitely need a financing contingency. A financing contingency essentially works the same way whether you're getting a conventional loan, an FHA loan, or a VA loan with some differences. I'll focus on conventional loans for this episode. Here's how it works. Your agent will include in your offer a special exhibit called a conventional loan contingency that lists the property address and refers back to the dated purchase and sale agreement. There are 12 sections to the exhibit. I'm going to cover six of them here. Section one is called application details. This spells out the loan amount, term, interest rate, rate type, and source of loan. Your agent will work with your lender to fill this in. Note that the rate specified here is not the rate you're locking in with your lender for a specific period of time. That's done separately. Section three is called use of particular mortgage lender. This is where you list which lender or lenders you'll be applying for loans with. This field is optional, but you have to understand how this information is used if you fill it in. You have to apply for a loan with at least one of the lenders you list here, but in the end, you aren't obligated to get a loan from any of them. Whatever lenders you fill in here are the only lenders who can provide a loan denial letter in order to get your earnest money back. I'll explain the implications of this later when I talk about Section 6. If you leave this blank, you can apply for a loan with any lender, and if denied, your loan denial letter can come from any institutional lender licensed in Georgia. So you have two choices. You can leave this blank or fill it in. There are pros and cons to each approach. If you fill it in, you're restricting yourself to these lenders, but that's okay as long as you know the lenders you'll be considering for your loan. A seller wants to see these because your lender's reputations will factor into their decision to accept your offer. If you leave it blank because either you don't know which lenders you're considering or you want to keep your options completely open, this creates risk in the mind of the seller and their agent. To them, it means you have no idea who you'll be getting a loan from because you haven't even taken the time to figure this out, which creates risk for them. 
they may not accept your offer. So the pro of filling this in is it may increase the chance of your offer getting accepted. But this can also be a con since some agents have negative views of certain lenders and will consider them risky. In general, if an agent has had bad experiences with large banks and great experiences with local lenders, they will favor local lenders over big banks. So this should factor into your decision about who you get a mortgage with. More on lenders in a minute. In sum, I always advise clients to seriously consider a local lender, determine which lenders they want to work with, and always explicitly state them here versus leaving it blank. Section 5 is called Financing Contingency and lets you specify how many days you need to get your loan approved. 21 days is pretty standard right now. However, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, this timeline can make or break you. If another offer needs only 14 days for this, you're at a disadvantage. It behooves you to get as far along in the loan approval process before you start making offers. If you're 90% approved before you make an offer, your lender won't need 21 days to approve your loan, and needing only 14 days could make your offer the most attractive. A side note here on condominiums. These usually take longer to approve because the lender is doing two approvals. First, they're approving you, the buyer. Second, they're approving the condominium's financials. In other words, they could approve your loan, but feel that the condo is poorly run and far too risky to approve, in which case they will not approve your loan. It has nothing to do with you and everything to do with the condominium itself. One additional key item in the financing contingency is how much time is needed to appraise the home. I have another episode devoted to this topic, so all I will say here is that like the financing contingency, your lender needs time to do an appraisal, and this is typically around the same number of days as the financing contingency. I usually go with 21 days for this as well. I'm out of breath. I'll cover the remaining three sections after the break. And now on to the final three sections of the financing contingency. Section six is called use of approved mortgage lender and loan denial letter. This states that if you filled in lenders, your loan denial can come only from these lenders. Otherwise, your loan denial can come from any institutional lender in the state. Furthermore, if your lender denies your loan, it cannot be for any of the following reasons. One, you don't have closing cost money. Two, your other property didn't sell unless you have a home sale contingency. Three, you didn't provide your lender any information they required in a timely fashion. And four, you made big purchases that negatively impacted your debt to income ratio. So your loan denial has to be based on something other than the four items just described. Section seven is called right of seller to request evidence of buyer's ability to close. And section eight is seller's right to terminate. These I'm counting as one. Together, they cover what happens if your loan is approved. Your agent should clearly explain what's in the fine print here. It gives the seller the right to request proof that your loan was approved. It's basically the opposite of what happens if your loan gets denied. If you don't provide proof that your loan was approved, the seller can terminate as long as they follow the details in the contract. It's complicated, but here goes. As soon as your financing contingency ends, the seller can formally request proof of loan approval. You, the buyer, have seven days to provide this. If you don't, you've defaulted, and the seller can give you three more days to fix the situation. If you still don't respond, 10 days have elapsed at this point, the seller can terminate the contract over the next seven days by providing notice to you. If you add all this up, it's a 17-day timeline. 
if you use all of the days allowed. One stipulation is that the seller cannot ask for proof of loan approval within seven days of closing, probably because there wouldn't be enough time for all of this to transpire and enable the seller to terminate because they need up to 17 days to do this. In order for this to work, you'd have to pad the schedule with 17 days between the end of your financing contingency and your closing, which is ridiculous. Most agents ask for a 21-day financing contingency and a 30-day close, meaning there are only 7 days between these, not 17. For this reason, it's highly unlikely that the seller can really terminate the contract because there just isn't time to do it. So rest assured, if the seller asks for proof that your loan was approved, just provide it. Otherwise, you risk them walking away from the deal and keeping your earnest money because you defaulted on your obligation and didn't give them what they asked for. Finally, Section 12 is called Lender Required Repairs. This was added in 2019 and used to appear only in the exhibit for FHA loans. It's basically an agreement in the offer about who will pay for lender required repairs if the lender requires any. You can specify that either the buyer or the seller will pay for these repairs up to a specific dollar amount. If repairs exceed this amount, the buyer and seller have to negotiate who pays the difference, and if they cannot agree, the contract terminates within three days of when the seller provides the estimates. This feels extremely risky to me, so I always suggest we mark it as not applicable. I don't think that most buyers or sellers would agree to who should pay for these up front or run the risk of the deal terminating down the road if they can't agree on this. I've asked this question again and again and still don't think anyone knows what actually happens if we market NA, the seller does require repairs, and the buyer and seller fight over who pays. Both sides have a vested interest in making this deal work, but it appears that either can terminate at this point. A few words on lenders. I'm just going to say it. You may have a fantastic relationship with your bank, but if mortgages are not in their wheelhouse, you should explore local lenders. A local lender does nothing but mortgages, so they're an expert at the process, are extremely responsive, and can solve problems quickly with flexible thinking and out-of-the-box solutions. They're not lumbering dinosaurs trying to compete with nimble, smaller companies for whom customer service is key. You may think your relationship with your bank is more important, but it's not. Many banks immediately sell off your mortgage to a mortgage servicing company, so your decision to stick with your bank could be completely undone. You want the best company for the job, so think about this carefully. I've heard lots of stories of big banks completely botching closings, but I've never heard of that happening with a local lender. Case in point, the closing on the sale of my first home was moved at 5 p.m. the night before because the buyer's big bank messed up and wasn't ready. The closing date moved at least two more times over the next week. We were stuck in our home for days, with nothing but three cats and a dog climbing the walls. As I mentioned in an earlier episode, cash is king. But if you do include a financing contingency, do your best to reduce the risk to the seller. Here are three ways to do this. One, fill in all lenders you'll be applying for a loan with. The seller wants to know you've given this some thought, and their agent wants to know because they will actually call your lender and ask questions about your ability to get a mortgage. If you leave this blank, they have no one to call, and you're doing yourself a disservice. Two, get fully approved by a lender before you start making offers. Your agent may advise you to get a pre-qualification letter, but these are totally worthless. Yes, they are better than nothing at all, but all they mean is that you've had a conversation with a lender. The lender hasn't collected any documentation from you, so they have absolutely no idea whether they'll approve your loan or not. It's totally misleading to both you and the seller, 
because neither of you will know if you're getting the loan until probably three weeks after you go binding. Why wait until then to find out when you can find out before you make the offer? A pre-approval letter, the second type, is stronger than a pre-qualification letter because it means the lender has collected documentation from you, so there's a higher probability that your loan may be approved. The third and best option is a fully approved loan. Every lender has a different name for this, but it essentially means your loan has gone through underwriting and is 90% approved with some last-minute things that need to be completed, such as an appraisal of the property. Three, don't do anything stupid once your loan is approved. I'm not kidding. Your lender should give you a list of 25 things to not do before, during, and after applying for a mortgage. You need to keep your financial situation as good as it was when you applied and got approved and not do anything to jeopardize your loan. Even if your loan is approved, the bank is still watching you like a hawk up through the closing process. If something crazy happens, they can deny your loan just before closing. After their loan is approved, some people go on a spending spree and buy new furniture for their new home, which suddenly appears as new debt and hurts their credit score, which can then cause their loan to be denied after all. They never get the house. Because they didn't listen to their lender and inadvertently changed their financial picture and no longer qualify. Other examples include moving money between accounts and having large cash deposits into your account. You will have to document and explain everything that happens if your lender asks. What happens if your loan gets denied? Since your loan approval or denial will come at the very end of your financing contingency, there won't be time to apply for a loan with another lender. You have to accept the reality of it and terminate before the financing contingency ends. You will need a loan denial letter from your lender. Your agent will write up the notice of termination, have you sign it, and deliver it with the loan denial letter to the listing agent. Note the timing of this. Assume your financing contingency is 21 days long. If your loan gets denied, you have to terminate by day 21 in order to get your earnest money back, not day 22 or day 23. This is why it's critical to stay on track with the schedule. Get your lender everything they ask for as quickly as possible. This may sound harsh, but your lender can totally hose your deal if they're unresponsive. If they cannot approve your loan in the time frame they agreed to, guess what? It's day 21 and they have neither approved nor denied your loan and you won't have an answer for a few more days. What do you do in this situation? Since they haven't denied your loan, you can't terminate and get your earnest money back. Once you're beyond the 21 days, if they deny your loan, you can't get your earnest money back because your financing contingency has ended. So this is why it's important to pick a lender who can get the job done in the time frame they agreed to. Your agent should always speak to your lender before submitting your offer to get their commitment to approving your loan within the number of days you specify in your financing contingency. This is yet another reason you have to know your lender before you make an offer. If you put 21 days in your financing contingency and then pick a lender who needs 30 days to approve your loan, that timing is not going to work. I've never personally had a mortgage loan not approved, but I have had clients in this situation, just one so far. I had two investors who went with a big bank. They got a pre-qualification letter, which, if you recall, I said was worthless. During their 21-day financing contingency, their big bank denied their loan because she didn't actually have a job, and her mother's social security check didn't really qualify as income. They scrambled to find a hard money lender. 
This is a non-institutional lender who lends money at much higher rates and requires payback in much shorter timeframes. The financing contingency ended, and over the next three weeks, my clients worked with a hard money lender to reach an agreement, but they refused to provide the information requested. In this case, it was detailed projections of the cost of flipping the property. Needless to say, the hard money lender didn't approve their loan, and they lost their $1,000 earnest money. Sadly, this happens all the time. Ready to get a loan? Do the following. First, get your finances in order by speaking to lenders to understand how much home you can afford, how much you'll need in closing costs, and what additional prepaids, like taxes and insurance, you'll need to budget for. The last thing you want to do is waste time looking outside your approved price range. Second, interview and select a few local lenders and provide them everything they ask for as quickly as possible. Once you're binding, they'll need a copy of the contract to continue processing your application and approve your loan. Third, provide their contact information to your agent since they'll be talking before you make an offer once you're binding and throughout the financing contingency to ensure your loan is approved in time. And finally, get fully approved before you make an offer, since this will give you an advantage over other buyers who haven't done this. This should reduce your financing contingency from 21 days to something shorter, which the seller will like. Remember, you want your offer to be accepted, so it's important to make it as attractive as possible. Getting fully approved up front provides no additional risk to you, but greatly reduces the risk to the seller. They don't have to worry for 21 days that your loan may be denied. Instead, you'll instill in them the confidence that getting your loan is a sure thing. And that's what they want to hear. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Tune in again for another episode of State of Reality, where I shed light on real estate and the reality behind it.